Well, we are here. And I am by myself in the studio as they are with breakneck speed <laughs> running to the mics. Yeah, no, we apologize. We had some major technical difficulties. You, and everyone, if you've been listening to the show, you already know whose fault it is. We already. Do you want to explain what yes, just happened? Yes, I, I will explain what happened. I rebooted my computer this weekend, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a driver for my board that was not installed. So I had to download it off the internet after I rolled all the problems out and uh, we were missing a driver. So I had to go to Yamaha.com and download it. So now we're, now we're good. So now we're good. You don't want to have to do that the day before or anything like that. Well, I didn't realize that it was out. You know what I mean? Right. I rebooted my computer. I didn't think of it. I mean, it recognizes the board. It recognizes the mic. It just didn't work because I didn't have the USB drive. Excellent. But we are here now and we have two topics and an interview today. If all goes well, um, we're going to talk about beginning times, end times, and a little bit about the new age, if we can get our caller through here. She's kind of busy right now, but hopefully she'll be able to get in. Uh, Elder Ron, it's been a morning. Yes. It's, it's been a quite a morning for us, but we are here, and it looks like you are about ready. Now, before we begin, um, if you've been listening to the archives, you can check them on iTunes or on bbsradio.com non-religious Christian news, check out the archives. We did a nice debate on what the hell, where we kind of agreed to disagree, but we were able to open up um, some new views on Hades, hell, Gehenna. And the main question we tackled there was, does it last forever? And we also have some nice archives about Yeshua's name and how I believe it is of utmost importance and others kind of disagree. And we also talked about the actual ecclesia, the church, and so all of those debates are in the archives, but today we're going to dive into kind of a debate and discussion about the beginning. Now, I don't, I'm not sure what you actually believe, Elderon, on young earth versus uh, millions of years, old earth versus young earth. What, what side do you want to take and what do you actually believe? I feel the most comfortable with an old earth. I, I don't oh, see a reason <laughs> to make it, uh, you know, four, six, eight thousand years old. Uh, I think it's probably very old. Uh, I think Genesis, the days in Genesis, the Hebrew word is yom, and it has the same range of meaning that our English word days has. I can say, boy, back in the day, I remember, but I'm not talking about a particular day. I'm talking about an, a period of time. And uh, those were the days. Uh, we use the word day in the same way they, they use the word yom. So it doesn't have to mean 24-hour days. Uh, so we can get more into that later. I'll hear what you've got to say. But I, I'm comfortable with an old earth theory. And I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the young earth theory because it seems to disregard so much. Such as what? What, what does it disregard? Well, it um, seems to disregard pretty credible scientific uh, consensus and investigation on, on aging the earth. I know that God could have created the earth with the illusion of age, but that doesn't, to me, make any sense. Well, let's let's take that because that is my view. Um, how old, if we could be doctors and/or scientists, and let's pretend that Elohim just created ha Adam or Adam, and he's standing here, and it's only been five minutes since Adam has been created. How old would he be? Well, whether Adam, I, see, I I don't have a problem with the idea of there were other humanoids around. It seems there were there were. Uh, 
they found skeletal remains of, of other humanoid uh, individuals. I, I don't have a problem with God creating a man and giving him the capacity to contain the spirit of God. But how, calling that the first man. But how old would he be? Like if we're dealing with age and, and we were doctors and we inspected him, we know he's only been created five minutes ago. We understand that. But we if we looked know, at him. Because the, the Hebrews didn't, when, when they gave genealogies, they weren't as scrupulous about including everybody as we are. They would include the more notable members of a family. But as far um, as Adam, five minutes from his creation. Oh, he, he could have been. Most likely. Well, let me ask this. Was he a toddler? Was he a little kid running around and, and, and God was like, get away from that tree, Adam? But no, no. Or would you assume him to be mature? I assumed him. You mean what? I, I. If you had to give him a chronological, would it be under 12? I would say. See, the, the Bible says God created him out of the dust of the earth, much like a potter would create something. And yet I don't have a problem with God taking a man and creating in him the capacity to know God and calling him the first man. But how old would he look? Five minutes from the time he was created, boom, there's Adam, created. Well, he was created as Adam maybe when he was 30 years old. Okay, so let's say we can know almost with certain he was not a, an, an infant. When he was created. When he was created. When he was born, he might have been an infant. He was never born. He was created. Well, maybe the, maybe the man, the human part of him that could hold the spirit of God was created. But maybe he was born. And was maybe raised, you think, by, by God alone until he became mature enough to have Eve uh, come out of his rib? See, I don't have any trouble with that being poetry. I don't think that was a scientific treaty. I, I think uh, that could have very well been poetry. Uh, but if you would agree, though, that he was mature at his creation, that if we could look at Adam five minutes post a breath in his body, when he, when we're God not going to look at When God created him as Adam, who could contain the spirit of God, he was a, a man. That's he, my point. But he might have been born and raised as a human being. Because there were other humans on the earth at that time. Remember, Cain was concerned that men would kill him. Uh, so there were other human beings. Adam was the first man with the capacity to contain the spirit of God. He was the first man created in the image of God. But he might not have been the first man. And I don't have a problem with that. That uh, there, were, there were people that lived thousands and thousands of years ago. You know, and there were Neanderthals. They're pretty certain that there were Neanderthals. Where do these guys fit in? Adam was a, a humanoid that God touched and created to have the capacity to know God. And uh, he created a woman with the same capacity. And uh, if Genesis is poetic language, see, just because I don't take it literally doesn't mean I don't take it seriously. I think I can take it very seriously and not take it literally, but take it as poetry, which it was maybe meant to be taken as. I'm not sure it was meant to be taken as a scientific explanation. Right, but I think we have enough evidence, whether it was poetical or historical, and I believe it's kind of both. You know, I, I think Genesis 2 is actually a little more scientific. I think Genesis 1 has a little more poetic feel. But the actual creation itself, the, if the point is Adam was most likely mature at his creation and or the breath, because we know in comparison of the new covenant, we have Yeshua, who was also called the last Adam. Everything went haywire when Adam fell. And according to the scriptures, 
sin came in through one man and therefore death through sin. Pre-sin Adam, there should have been no death. Death entered into this realm because of his sin and therefore there was death. Therefore, the last Adam was not only able to rectify that, he was able to rectify death and the sin equation and then it says in Romans 8 that even all of creation now is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of Elohim so that all of creation would be restored to its proper place where there's going to be no more death because that's what came in through the fall. Therefore, there could be no more. There couldn't be any sin or death before Adam in this realm because he was the gate in which it came in. Yeshua was the gate in which it was annihilated. Therefore, it would be difficult for an old earth version according to Romans view. See, I don't, death, how do you define death? You say there was no death before Adam. People might well have lived and died, but God defined death differently. God just said, Adam, in the day you eat of it, you will die. Well, Adam didn't physically die the day he ate of it, but he died spiritually, which means there was no spiritual life before Adam. And when Adam sinned, he lost his spiritual life, but uh, he didn't die that day. And I don't think that implies that nobody lived and died before Adam. Because God was defining death differently. Uh, the Bible speaks of people uh, dead in their sins, but they were very much alive. Uh, where so I would agree that both physical and spiritual death occurred with Adam. Well, maybe not physical death. Spiritual death did. What would be but, the cause then? Because what Yeshua um, did was corrected and, and reinstated what was before the fall. And one thing that we see is there will be no more death nor dying. And so accordingly, it would, we would have to assume then that there was death and dying physically now. Aren't you making a little bit of a jump here? Like he can restore all things, but that doesn't mean that he had to give everybody immortality. I think uh, spiritual life is one thing. Physical life is another. He can restore all things. And that, I, to me, that doesn't mean that men could not have lived and died before Adam. But isn't death part of the curse? I mean, the no, wages the wages of sin is death, but that's spiritual death. Right. Because and, God and physical death will is well, part of the spiritual. Physical death is maybe uh, something else. God told Adam, in the day you eat of it, you'll die. Adam did not die physically that day. So that must be not how God defined death. God defined death very differently. And um, I, I don't think we need to postulate an, an immortality before Adam for all things, I think. So you would you you assume then if Adam had never sinned by eating of the apple, he would have still had a physical death at some point. Could very well be. Could, but I mean biblically, do we have any proof? No, I don't think we do. And now what I'm trying to pull on is wherefore as by one man sin entered into this world, and death by sin, so death passed into all men. And that could be for that death. all sin. That doesn't necessarily have to be physical death. Right, and, and physical death is a manifestation of spiritual death. I believe spiritual death instantly happened, and then because of the spiritual death, we have the manifestation oh, of that's physical that death. You, that I don't have to accept. Right, so you assume that physical death could have occurred anyway, even if there was never sin. Yes. Which in the next world, then, that means you have the possibility of dying because there would be no sin, but there could still be death. We're talking about before Adam. I right. don't know about the, the future. But the restoration was to eradicate what Adam did wrong. Well, yes. And the last Adam took away the penalty of sin and death. Right. Which came in through the first Adam. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean physical. 
So that means we could still have physical death in the next round. No, no, I, there doesn't have to be a complete equivalency here like you're trying to make. So ultimately, if Adam had never eaten, he would have still died, possibly. Possibly. Okay, and see, that's where I've never found any passages. I think that is a possibility philosophically, but I don't, I don't see how um, that was proven biblically from the last Adam eradicating everything the first Adam did, and part of what Yeshua eradicated was well, death. When we step into eternity and we're restored, uh, I don't think we're going to look like the first Adam. I mean, he had a body like we did. We're not going to have a body like we have right now. The Bible says we'll be like the angels. Uh, we'll be entirely different. We won't be given in marriage. Uh, we'll be different. So there's not an absolute equivalency between Adam before he sinned and what will be in eternity. I don't know if it's an absolute equivalency, but I think what Adam looked like before was restored. And I think we're going to look like the glorified Yeshua more than the glorified Adam. But I don't think uh, most people understand what Adam was able to do before he sinned. You know, if we just give somebody 100 percent brain capacity, we're working with about five to eight percent. Imagine what somebody could do with 100 percent. He had that. Plus, he had a sinless nature. This man was by all means, what we would call today a superhero. He could do a lot at, well, at, at that time. That's speculation, though. Uh, 100%. No, I'm, I'm talking about even today we have people with the 5% capacity we have who we call like, wow, like rain men. There's people who can do amazing things. But they usually suffer in other areas. I've read where exactly. that, that whole idea of we use 5% of our brain, that that's not necessarily true. I've read articles that say that that's not true. Uh, and mostly uh, savants or people that are very gifted in one area usually are lacking in another Right. So imagine someone who is not lacking in any area and has not the sin uh, condemnation or the sin nature that was passed on. Imagine what they would be able to look like as a human being. You know, we, if he was made a little lower than the angels, just a little lower and had no sin, how amazing would he be in well, comparison to what we are? He made a little lower than the angels. Sure. I don't know if he was made a little lower than and, and with our fallen nature, human beings have created a lot of amazing things just in our own. Right. Imagine a sinless human being, you know, that, that would have some amazing capabilities. Much more, Yeshua came and restored all things back to his original image. Um, so I would assume that an old earth would have to take the position that there was death before sin. They have to because they would have to assume that there was animals and millions of years of life and death. Because if you put millions of years and no death, the earth would be overpopulated. It would right, be, it would right. be impossible. So they I, have to I, I don't see any problem with, with that idea. I, I don't see where that conflicts necessarily with the scripture. If you take it seriously, but take it as poetry, uh, I, I don't think it was meant to be anything else. I, I just like Romans 5.14. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And now the old earth would have to say that only means human death. But there would have still been animal death before Adam to Moses. But this is pretty clear when it says death reigned from Adam. And that, so you can almost go back the other way and say, well, before Adam, there was no death. Well, what about the different? I think spiritual death and physical death are two entirely different things. So Adam brought in spiritual death, but he, he did not die instantly. He eventually died. Um, whether that was the course of his life anyway, I, I don't really know. But I think that the death that's mentioned there is spiritual death, spiritual life, eternal life. is. Uh, we talked about that last week. Uh, some people think it's eternal life. It for certain means uh, 
you know, absolute life, uh, to me, that's different than, than just the physical life that Adam had. Right. And I agree that the deaths are different, I, I, 100%. But I also agree that what happens spiritually does manifest itself in the physical realm on earth as it is in heaven. But, that's, but then we're getting into speculation there, though. I, no, I think that's principle. I think um, what we are right now seated with Yeshua, according to the scripture, but right now I see you sitting in a chair. So in heaven, what's going to happen is one day you will manifest that that reality. One day you will manifest what he said has already taken place. And so in the spiritual dimension, it's already happened. But in the physical, you're going to catch up to that spiritual reality. Well, when the, I think what the Bible means when it says I'm seated at the right hand, that has to do with authority. Not so much physical location, like in, in the ancient world, when someone was seated at the right hand of the king, it meant he had the he could speak with the authority of the king. And I, I think what that that's what I understood. That's what that means. And so, do you believe that you are then in the authority of Elohim? I believe that I can speak with God's authority when and, I when, when I am doing His will. When I've heard His voice, I can speak with His authority. And do you believe that you are walking spotless and blameless right now? even as he sees you right now? Or do you still see that there's still manifestation of some of these promises on earth as it is in heaven, in which we were told to pray to manifest as is on earth, as what we do see in heaven? Well, I think I think there's a there's imputed and there's imparted righteousness. I, I have the righteousness of God, even though my righteousness is growing, and that's called sanctification. So uh, I've been imputed with his righteousness, but he is imparting to me my righteousness that is is maturing every day. So it's it's both. Absolutely, it, it is both, and that's and that's my entire point. By His stripes we are healed, mm -hmm. and so what happened? History is already done. It's done. We are healed, and yet sometimes we still have to see the manifestation of that healing on earth. And so sometimes the mind gets caught between what is actual and what is manifesting. It's the already not yet theory. It's already done, but not yet happening on earth. And part of the mission of the of the ministers on earth is to manifest what is already done. And, and so Adam died spiritually, but it had not yet manifested on earth physically. So the debate would be, could Adam have died physically had he never ate from the tree of life? And so old earth would have to say, yes, they would have to, because they have to say death was here before Adam in the animal kingdom. Something would cause the animals to die, whether it's just old age or disease or things would have infested and, and had them in some sort of death process. And so that's that to me is a greater leap of faith. I don't I don't actually see that um, being the case historically. What, what do you do with all the the geological evidence of of the dinosaurs and, and all the animals that are encrusted in rocks that have lived millions of years ago? Um, that statement would be the leap of faith because we can right now easily go to young earth creationist scientists who could show they're not millions of years old. They could definitely put to test and put to shame some of the uh, earth testing that they have done to show, and they've done this actually on YouTube and other, on other shows, that something that was supposed to be millions of years old gets carbon dated over here and it's only thousands of years old. And so the laboratories are not actually always lining up, number one. Number two, if Adam in five minutes from, from his creation was a mature man, why wouldn't creation itself follow the prototype of God and the one who was made in the image of Elohim and also have, it's not the illusion of age, it was age, but it was still only recently created. So it's not impossible, 
if I'm looking at a mature man who's mature, but only been in existence for five minutes and he stands here and he's looks like he might be 30, maybe 40, maybe 20, whatever, but he's not a toddler. So we don't have to have a big bang. We can see the life in existence with history and a future. That's not too difficult for an all-knowing Elohim who showed us in Adam, that's what he did with him. Why wouldn't the rest of it follow his uh, prototype? Well, that's why I would never argue or break fellowship over these issues. Right. Nothing is really too difficult. God could right. turn this whole earth into a giant mushroom if he wanted to, uh, and he could do anything he wanted to do. And I guess we're just discussing what do we think he read. Right. Now, let me take an old earth view. Um, just for a second, just, I don't represent them very well, but when I hear it, there is a scientist, and his name will come to me here when I stop trying to think about it, but uh, he did some old earth that had me fully convinced that the earth was millions of years old, and he used some things out of Isaiah, out of the Psalms, um, and so again, it comes back. I don't think Genesis 1, I'm going to disagree with the young earth here. I, I was reading about it, and I disagree. He went off and said that all of Genesis 1 is, is uh, pretty much historical it is not poetical and that that's just a bold statement but he has to stand on that you know and i think it can be both i think it can be both historical and poetical i don't think you lose anything by saying that there's definitely poetical elements in genesis chapter one there's it's to say there isn't almost causes him to be discredited but he said it's all historical and then they go to yom you know and they say what you were saying that the word can actually mean 24-hour period or it can mean an indefinite period. And they're saying it has to be a 24-hour period, which is, again, why that's not true. It doesn't have to be. Obviously, it doesn't have to be. Context would determine that we as humans always look at things during Earth standard time. And if you're on the West Coast, you get used to looking at things as West Coast time or Pacific time. East Coast, we like to see everything in Eastern standard time. And so the, the difficulty is human beings like to see earth standard when dealing with Elohim standard, and there's two different things. And so when we escape our, our time focus and we look at the fact that it doesn't have to be a 24-hour period, it can definitely change the way people see it. You know. But my, my major contention, and I like what you brought out, and that's why I wanted to hit it pretty hard, is death before sin. I have to see something textual, not philosophical. I have to see something textual that that is there because all I've seen anything related to death was through sin and Adam. And I realize that the text here, we're not at all trying to explain the age of the earth. They were getting at the fact that salvation through Yeshua is was what is most important. And so that's why there's going to be a lot of ambiguity in trying to use a text that was intended to talk about this, and we're trying to use it to talk about that. They weren't doing that. They weren't detailing all of that. They were just giving us the account to lead us to Yeshua. So one of the arguments for more of a poetic interpretation is the fact that days were used at all. It didn't take God 24 hours to create each of those steps. He could Excellent. have done it in a moment. Excellent. Uh, it almost sounds like, you know, to say, well, back in my day, this— it's a way of speaking of epics of time, I think. God God didn't take a day, to, and he didn't have to rest after seven days because he worked so hard and worked up a sweat, took a shower. You know, the whole thing is, is poetic. Uh, it, it just doesn't speak of a literal interpretation at all, the more I think about it. Uh-oh. Right now I see the wheel spinning and the smoke coming. <laughs> all right. Uh-oh. 
where in the actual Bible, in Genesis or anywhere, does it actually say the earth is 6,000 years old? Nowhere. So then what's the argument? I mean, so... Well, there's a genealogy, there's a genealogy. back to uh, Adam. And if the earth came into existence with Adam, and the genealogies are somewhat correct, then you have to say it's 4,000 years old. That's what was originally postulated. Okay, so if we go back to an argument you had earlier... And you said there has been many studies showing that carbon dating and stuff can be wrong and it's inconsistent. Well, then what are we using to validate that the Bible is as old as it is? And all these scriptures and manuscripts, how are we validating that? Because that's the same science that's being proven wrong with any evolution or old earth theory. Well, we don't carbon date the Bible. Uh, we found scraps of the Bible like uh, 2,500 years ago, the Jews copied the Bible. The Dead Sea Scrolls were copies of Isaiah that are exactly what we have today in Hebrew. So uh, we really don't carbon date the Bible the same way that we would carbon date geological features. Uh, just historically and culturally, we know that the Bible is, is old. We know just about word for word what was written in the New Testament because there were fragments of the Gospel of John found in at 90 AD, which was just a decade or two after it was written. So, uh, Yeah, of, of all things ever written, what we call in ancient history, there's been nothing testified to more than the Bible. And in fact, I think you said there was, what, 24? I, I, re I remember reading 24,000 different manuscripts, and there have over, and I'm going to be liberal here, over 95% authenticity that every word that we have has been taken from the original authors and in the five percent and that's being liberal again it's probably more like 98 percent the five percent that can be disputed has nothing to do with relevant doctrine so no, and if we can't trust the old new testament documents we have no idea whether people like socrates and plato and aristotle ever lived at all because there's much less evidence for much them less. than there is for the bible right well, uh -huh. but they're not claiming to be god either no, but there's much less evidence and nobody argues the fact that what no one. we have right, but it's, from them was written. It's what they're claiming, though. They're not claiming the things Christianity's claiming. So it's Most of them do. I mean, when you when you look at uh, philosophers, they all have some sort of answer to who, what, where, when, and why. Why are we here? You know, what's going to happen in the next realm? All of them try to come up with some sort of philosophical um, meaning, and a lot of people refer back to them and, and, and they're today in today's life and they kind of do what we call the uh when you go out to eat to a all-you-can-eat buffet i'm going to take a little of this philosophy and a little of this religion i'm going to put it on my plate and this is what i believe you know people still go back and and trust what they say and and that's not real intelligent yeah, the point is we can be pretty sure that what aristotle plato and socrates and men like that wrote they really did write and the bible is a thousand times more attestable than that, so it's it's safe to assume that what we have in the Bible is 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 real. Yeah, and it's been verified not only you know twenty four thousand times, and that's just in manuscripts. Not to mention, I think, you know, we we don't we never go beyond what is written, but at the same time, we still have manifestation today of what Yeshua said back then. And so, another witness, not the only witness, but another witness is the Holy Spirit today, intervening in people's lives and saying. Um, this is this is what it is. And so right now it looks like we have a call coming in. 
and we would like to go to line one to see what we're probably going to get chastised but we'll, let's see what's going on out in looks like north carolina how are you i'm blessed thank you hey, well thanks for calling I'm in cheryl. hi cheryl and did you have a comment for us or did you have a testimony well uh both <laughs> i just want to say that i was in the new age for over 10 years and some uh really tough things happened in my life where um i don't regret it because it made me come face to face with god and i found out that jesus is really God's son and he sent the Holy Spirit and when I found that out it saved my life after being in the new age for 10 years I already knew that the spirit realm was real and I already had a lot of experiences with a lot of things in the new age and I found out that the Holy Spirit is the gift of knowledge and that all the things in the new age are just a substitute, but the real gift of knowledge is God's gift of knowledge given by Jesus Christ. Is you can read about it in the Word about the Holy Spirit and all the gifts. It's uh, not just the gift of knowledge that helped me out, but the gift of discernment and the gift of healing, and the gift of deliverance, and all the things that the Holy Spirit has to give us, and as He resides inside of us, and He can be there just by simply asking for the Holy Spirit to come, because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to those who want to make Him your Lord and Savior. And Cheryl, really fast, you said you had some uh, experiences in New Age spirituality. What type of encounters, if you don't mind uh, sharing, what type of spiritual encounters sure. did you have? <clears throat> well, uh, there was um, uh, healing, actually, um, by uh, going down to your alpha level and uh, asking your guides to help you and having uh, um, imaginary uh, laboratories and um, uh, going, having three people in a circle and one person knows the person that needs to be healed, the other person has it on a card and you go down to your level and heal that person. I always knew it was Jesus doing it but it wasn't spoken about during these um, um, sessions. And um, uh, there was um, things like uh, levitation and just all kinds of spiritual experiences. And um, it really came down to finding out that the spirit realm is real, but it's a um, familiar spirit that you're dealing with in the new age, 
And the real true spirit is the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And so what happened? Jesus, the Son of God. What happened to bring you out then? If, if this was happening and, and these experiences were so real, what was it then that triggered you to say, I need Yeshua versus everything else? I mean, if you're experiencing healings and levitations in the new age, what was what would cause you, what experience happened or what encounter happened to bring you over into Yeshua? Well, um, I went through a divorce and uh, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, trauma and fear of uh, losing my life. Uh, my husband wanted to kill me, and um, actually, a uh, woman that I met in the New Age <clears throat> found Jesus and became a reverend. And she had a church at home. And so God told her to give me a gift by uh, helping me one day a week. So she did that for a year. And uh, all the time I was wondering, you know, what was going on? But uh, she would pray over me as we would work together. And um, finally she... um, uh, was there and I couldn't make it and I was late and when I came she was whistling and I said what are you doing and she said I'm singing to Jesus we're having a good time and so um, I said well you have something that I want what is it and she said it's the Holy Spirit and I said well why didn't you tell me to come to your church if that I would help you if you came to my church. And uh, she said, oh, no, God doesn't make deals. She said, God gives love unconditionally. And this gift is a gift from God, not from me. And she said, you know where my church is, and you can come anytime you want. And uh, so I said, okay, so I... I got filled with the Spirit right there and went to church, and every time I did, I just cried and cried because she preached on everything that I was going through, and somehow or another, God knew to tell her through the Holy Spirit what to say, and it just reached every single thing that nobody would know about that I was facing that day. And... And um, and just real quick, if you if you had one message to give then to others who are experiencing what you've experienced in the new age, what what would you say to them in the, in the last minute to the to anyone who's in the new age about Yeshua? Well, I would say that um, you've already tried that, and I wanted to warn you that there are consequences with dealing with uh, familiar spirits, and uh, you ought to give Jesus a try because he's the real truth, and you will find out that the Holy Spirit can give you everything and more than what the familiar spirits can give you, and uh, you need to put your life in his hands because he's really your best friend. He loves you so much, 
he's forgiven you <clears throat> if you ask him to. And wow. that's all you need to do is ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and you'll have forever eternal life, forever. And you'll see how much he loves you, and you'll see how much he's your best friend, and you'll see how much he can guide you and tell you things. And it's awesome just having a relationship with your creator. And you ought to try it. Why not? Amen. Thank you for uh, prayer. Thank you for your time and calling in, Cheryl, from North Carolina. We hope that this is, was your first, but we hope it's not your last. We look forward to maybe hearing from you soon. Uh, thanks for calling in. Thank you, and God bless. You too. <clears throat> Just to say a little prayer and ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior and fill them with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Bye. Amen. All right, take care. Elder Ron, she was, uh, sound like she was uh, deep in the new age. I know you said you never really had much encounter or experience with the new age or the new age movement. Um, what would you say to her for, you know, someone coming out of the new age like that? What, what message, positive message would you have for Cheryl? Well, I think she said it pretty well. Uh, I think people that are involved in those movements are looking for God. My experience is that they tend to be somewhat spiritual people. Very. Uh, I have more in common with them than I do with somebody who's in the world that's just interested in money and power and fame and what they can grab before they die. So uh, I think I think they're on their way. Uh, I, I don't think there's one new age. I think there's all kinds of avenues people get into. Yeah. Uh, and, and just and I love what you said. There's not one. It's kind of the buffet thing again. When you start dealing with familiar spirits or what we would call demonic spirits, I mean, there's not just one. The demoniac had, you know, mm -hmm. a legion, which we know to be a lot, you know, whatever number you attribute, it was hundreds, you know. Um, so there's, you know, it seems like hell can afford to send two or three hundred demons at one person at a time. Yeah. And they can and do. And this is something that a lot of Christians I grew up with didn't realize. Um, they say, well, the devil has no power, but there's, there are things happening in this earth. There are things happening in people's lives directly attributed to familiar or demonic or lying, deceiving spirits. And they're not aware of that until they actually attempt to walk with Yeshua. You know, when you put your life in and say, OK, at this point, I'm going to start, you know, being a trained soldier and I'm going to go into Yeshua and I'm going to pray like a soldier would, that's, that's the command. And I'm going to go in three to four hours a day. I'm going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to fast and I'm going to worship. Then you start to experience or encounter what was only at one point in their minds, theoretical or nonsensical. But, uh, you know, we want to thank her for calling in. And, you know, in this last, I think we've got about 20 minutes left, uh, Elder Ron, and you have some end time information for us. <laughs> you have, let's, let's just, let's just hit the bees hive again, you know, Let's see. You have a theory. Now, you're going to take your real side. Or you're going to take a side. I'm not sure which one you're going to take this morning. Uh, I'm pretty. Well, we we're talking about uh, when the rapture occurs, it occurs before or after the tribulation and this thousand year reign called the millennium. And I think I have kind of come to a position where I would call myself. These are kind of technical religious terms. Uh -oh. I'm post-trib and a mill. 
post-trib, ah, millennial. Ah, millennial. Uh, so explain that, means, that to Zachariah, who just looked at you with a wince. <laughs> that means I believe that uh, the rapture will occur after the tribulation at the end of this age. And I believe the millennium that is only spoken once, once in Revelation is a period a fixed period of time. The Bible calls it a thousand years, but I think that's 10 times 10 times 10 to the third power. I think what that means is a period of time that is fixed in the mind of God. And it, we're probably in that right now. It says that's a, that's a time where Jesus will reign. Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that we say that Jesus is Lord. That was the first creed of the early church. And at the end of that period, there will be a tribulation. Satan will be released and there will be another Armageddon, just like the one that's going to occur at the end of this age. And I think maybe it's the same story told twice. And I also have men like John Calvin, Martin Luther, Wesley, who take that same position. <laughs> so I'm not alone. And so down the pre-trip, um, they have a lot of passages as well that they point to. Inferences. Oh, inferences now. They're not passages no, anymore. there's not one single passage in the whole Bible it says that God will come for his people before the tribulation. Well, I hope Jason Dellinger is listening right now, because if so, I could he, offer he you a dollar bill. If you could call. show me one passage where it says God will come for his people before the tribulation. 888-429-5471. dollar bill. We'll go 50-50 because I'll let you in. <laughs> we'll take that call. He said one passage that says what now? That says that God will rapture his people before the tribulation before now, i'm not talking tribulation. about getting out of the wrath can i make that in bitcoin if i find that can i get <laughs> you know like the bible says that we'll escape the wrath of god but that's not saying the same thing christians have been fed to lions and burned at the stakes for two thousand years and we have not experienced the wrath of god so difficulty is not necessarily the wrath of god also that idea wasn't even it didn't even come into existence till the 19th century and i think it was during the welsh revival a prophetess stood up and said that God will snatch his people away before the tribulation. And Darby, which was part of that revival, was there. And Schofield was a student of Darby's, and those notes were written in the Schofield Bible. And um, that's where most fundamental churches got that idea in the early 20th century. But um, it, it wasn't historically part of the church's theology. And so it looks you have a Bible on your lap. It looks like you're going to, and the glasses on. So yeah, now Elder Ron is getting ready to kick. While you're looking for that, I'm going to remind our listeners that next week we only have, wow, we have one show next week and it's going to be at one barring all technical difficulty. So the risk investigators report next week will go on as normally scheduled. And we have a guest for you and he is coming out of Columbus, Ohio, and he has an opposite, uh, an opportunity, a business opportunity. If anybody's into Bitcoin, if anybody's into mining, if you're into wanting to make some money, you want to listen. You definitely want to tune in and listen to what this man has to share with us. And that will be on Risk Investigators Report. And that is next week at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on this very station. Elder Ron. Yeah, I've got a verse that I always thought was conclusive. But if people disagreed with me, they never saw it that way. But I did. It says, but we do not want you to be unaware Uninformed, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep, that you may not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him 
bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. So Paul thought if the Lord came in his lifetime, he'd be alive. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. There's only one of these. There's not two trumpets. There's only one at the end of the age. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, Paul thought that if the Lord came sooner than later, there would be the trumpet, the shout of the archangel, the dead would rise, and then he who was alive and remain would be caught up. There's nowhere where he would be caught up earlier than that. Uh, and then in Second Thessalonians, it says... Uh, for let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, it's talking about the gathering together, unless the apostasy comes first, that's what we call the tribulation, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So it seems to be that uh, there's the shout of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the apostasy occurring before that, and then we who are alive and remain at the end of the age, at this final trumpet, will be caught up. Now that seems pretty clear and that's the way the church understood it for the first 1800 years and that is a pre-trip that's post -trip. that's post -trip. in other words i believe that the rapture being caught up will occur after the tribulation after the man of lawlessness after the apostasy after the falling away and then, um, which brings us back to an archive show that an apostasy means usually that they were at one point on yeshua's side and in order to be an apostate, you have to be a part of something to walk away. You're not an apostate if you were never there and walked away. Right, and that's that's going to certainly occur. It talks about the, the love of many will grow cold at the end of the age. Uh, uh, there will be difficulties in buying and selling, perhaps. You know, uh, it, it, it promises a very difficult time at the end of this age. Just as actually it was a very difficult time at the end of the last age. It ended in 70 A.D. when that ended the the old covenant age there was destruction and death and I, I i hear both sides and again i'm 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 that guy who understands both viewpoints i don't take one or the other i like to know both sides really well and usually i'll lean towards the one i just heard most recent that's just the way my brain works um but one thing I, i've realized in my travels is that those who say that you know, the church or we will not go through tribulation really has usually haven't traveled much because people are suffering tremendously all around the world for their faith. And because they're not in some sort of persecution and or tribulation, maybe being comfortable in the United States has no bearing on the fact, you know, how could I take that message to these people who are getting their heads chopped off for their faith right now as we speak? You know, no tribulation. Don't worry about that. And, you know, they're facing death right now for their faith. That's a tough message. And so I like to usually pick up that which is universal and that which is, you know, ironically undebatable if you believe in Yeshua, even though there's going to be contrary views. But it's hard for me to say we will escape a tribulation when there's so many people right now in tribulation. Well, the word uh, martyr, basically, uh, martyrio is the Greek word for witness. And God is always calls people to be witnesses. And uh, I, the idea of calling us away from that calling somehow, because we're not quite up to it, you know, to me doesn't seem biblical at all. So what would you say then, according to the news? Um, I, I don't go to traditional uh, settings in churches, and so I don't know what's being said in them. Um, 
what would you say? What is going on in the news and how is that relating now to biblical prophecy and are events right now lining up towards towards those yeah, times? I don't think we can say. There was a time that they thought the European common market was going to be the beast with the ten horns. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, in the last century they thought Hitler was the Antichrist and then the, the church thought that the Catholic Church was the Antichrist during the height of its its corruption. And and, um, and I really don't like to say. Uh, I, I don't think we'll know until we're there. And actually, all these things have already occurred. The word anti is the Greek word for instead of. It's, doesn't, it, it's uh, in place of. It's the, so the Antichrist is someone who will stand in the place of Christ. Uh, and And... Churches and men have been doing that for 2,000 years. Uh, so all, and there's been tribulation for 2,000 years. And the man of lawlessness, uh, the Bible says that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. So it doesn't all, it doesn't have to mean some grand event at the end of the age, some final fireworks display. It, it, it's been occurring for 2,000 years. And however God wants to bring it to a close, uh, I can't say, and uh, I'd never, I'd, I'd never split over these issues or right. get angry over them. I mean, and, and, and a lot of people will, but, right? Because there's also the theory that everything, pretty much in Revelation, has already happened, right. and we're kind of living in that post time. And you know, again, like you said, I, I agree that it's for me, it's not that important because, mm-hmm. you know, let's say we figured it all out right now on this radio show, and we knew, and then somebody was to go have an auto accident. What did that matter at that point? You know, there's things that are much more important uh, to to debate and or discuss, but it's good to know because they talked about it. So we can't just throw it out and say there's no importance when it is part of the new covenant. But it almost appears we don't have enough evidence to be dogmatic on on, on any side. Now, of course, those who have a position would say the opposite is that we do have enough. What are you talking about? You know, but at the same time, I love what you said. I don't know if there's enough to be separate. I don't think we have to pray in two different homes if we disagree on what time or when he's coming back. You no, know, the, the writers of the Bible never intended for that to happen. Even on the big dividing issues like praying in tongues, at the end of Corinthians, Paul told the Corinthians, don't forbid to pray in tongues, which means there were people there that were forbidding it. They right. were not only not believing in it, they were forbidding it. And Paul assumed they could all live together, those that didn't like it and those that were instructed how to do it. And he never imagined two different churches. Never. And you know, so let me ask you that this issue. So here's a real issue. Let's say you have, let, let's say Zechariah, he's a quiet prayer. And let's say Yakan and myself, I'm an audible, almost a shouting type prayer. And we're getting ready to go back here and pray. And one of us, you know, how do we reconcile these two prayer styles? You know, we got me, I want to pray in the spirit and I want to get going. But he's more the contemplative type, but we're having a prayer meeting together. What happens, and how do we reconcile those two? Well, in Corinthians, the Bible tells us to give deference to one another. In other words, I would expect that he could put up with some shenanigans on your part, (laughs) and I would expect that you could tone it down somewhat for him. And the Bible says that we're to give deference to one another in a lot of these issues. Uh, When it comes to our freedom, somebody may have the freedom to have a glass of beer, but if somebody else doesn't Uh believe that, then you forego and uh, all things are prop legal, but not all things are profitable. And I think we, for at, at our church, there's some rumblings. Not everybody likes the music. Well, you know, 
I, I would prefer a different kind of music, but I would set my preferences aside in a second for the sake of unity. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I'm kind of a quiet prayer, but I would let you carry on just for the sake of the unity that we have between the two of us. And I would think that's the way that the Holy Spirit would direct each of us. I, I, I mean, that's you said it so well. I mean, that's excellent. And usually the mature one defers to the weaker one. And but only until the point where the weaker one might want to now, uh, let's say Zachariah wants to start chanting uh, to Buddha. Well, in this case, we're not going to have unity. I got to say, Zachariah, get your butt back in here <laughs> and get that back together. But uh, I, I do agree. Romans 14 is, you know, it's amazing. He only tackled about three issues, but there's three million that it really touches when it comes to the freedom. And, you know, it says, don't. Don't let one despise you because of what you eat and let him who eats not judge for God has received them both. And that's what we forget that just what you said of Zachariah and not not this Zachariah, because he shouldn't drink beer because he's had issues in, in history. But the other one, maybe yourself, if you had to drink wine, it would be OK. But if he's had a history with alcohol, you say you would defer so that he wouldn't have his conscience stricken. So you're still free to do it. And he has received you. But he shouldn't do it. And Elohim has received him. It is not as dogmatic as some people try to make it. No. And this is why if you have one man preaching, what you're going to get is his usually personality seeing that passage and he's going to enforce it on all. And again, we've seen a lot of church splits based on personality differences. And it looks like Elohim would be able to accept them both. And unity, which should override the differences of personality. But it usually doesn't because you said historically you've seen churches split up. Even in houses. Yeah. What were some of the issues that they split up about? Oh, they can split up over anything. Usually it's theology and it's human pride. People get proud of themselves. They think they understand this or that. And they cannot tolerate somebody who disagrees with them. Wow. Uh, because they somehow feel threatened. I think if, you're, if you feel pretty secure in what you believe and you know what's important, you know what's secondary, then you can listen to dissenting views and not get all hot under the collar. Uh, and the older I get, the more secure I am in understanding what's important and what is secondary. And I don't think you could make me mad by disagreeing with me on some theological issue. Right. I can listen to your side and smile and, you know, wish you well. And, and it's just not something we divide over. And that's why we can have our debates the way we do on this show, where most people we would not be able to do. For example, Zechariah. You know, he could not sit in your chair and have this debate on most occasions. And and, I, and I'm picking on him, but, you know, most people who don't have a spiritual capacity at all cannot have religious debates, religion, politics, um, sports, you know, but it's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of immaturity, and especially on this issue. And I think it, uh, Timothy, Paul told Timothy, don't get caught up in these kinds of debates, uh, Things that the world falsely calls knowledge. Um, and the Lord wants to rebuke me real hard on that verse in Timothy about getting caught up in these kind of debates. And, uh, what kind of debates? Like just uh, frivolous or? Oh, I years ago, I got into a heated argument with a good friend of mine about what we were going to look like in heaven. Sounds like we a good We going to have bodies like we have now. And I went for a walk that night and I got a Bible verse in Romans 5. And I saw the numbers so clear in my mind, I went back and looked it up, and the verse was in their mouth was full of cursing and bitterness. And that's what the Lord told me. 
that I had been, and we had a theological debate, and I think I was right in the theological debate, <laughs> but from God's point of view, my mouth was full of cursing and bitterness, wow. and I was devastated. I said, Lord, please give me another verse, and I opened my Bible, and I usually don't play Russian roulette, or right. Bible roulette. Not healthy, No, we're not promoting it. But in this case, I came to that uh, verse at the very end of Timothy in my Bible, and it says, so Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Ooh, excellent. And I think he's talking about theological stuff here. I don't think he's talking about politics or cultural issues. I think he's talking about theological issues here. Uh, avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. We can discuss when the rapture is going to occur and if the millennium is now or whether it's some odd future thing. But to debate it and to argue over it, then we're moving into what I believe God sees as mouths full of cursing and bitterness. Because we're, we're taking things that really we don't understand anyway. And then and then trying to hit each other over the head with them. Right. I Turning mean, it into weapons. Right. We are in the water way deeper than what we can tread here. And so we can talk about it. We, we should talk about it. It's in the Bible. But we don't divide over. And there are issues we will divide over, you know, like the divinity of Christ and the physical resurrection. But uh, most of the things Christians fight over aren't those issues. Right. In fact, they're very seldom those issues. Matter of fact, they're hardly ever those issues. And, and like, you know, if we agree on that, which we do, on the divinity of Yeshua, um, then everything else should not be a dividing line is what it comes down to. Right. right. You know, and then, you know, and again, this is why churches break up and house churches break up. It's because people are too willing to have high discussions and not put in the deep prayer that can contain those discussions. And so if I come in the wrong mood, and this is something I even discussed with uh, Zachariah here, you know, I don't, I like to at least pray at least an hour or so before a show, even just a radio show, you know, much less if we're going to go have uh, some type of discussion about higher topics. I can't just come from the street or play a monopoly, run into a, a biblical discussion and think I'm going to have any impact because even the, even if the logic is there, the impact won't be because you can never reason with the demon. And if somebody's wrestling with the demon, and you're trying to reason. It's clear to you, but it's not clear to them. And then usually they end up winning because they're not going to understand what you're trying to you know, un explain. And so Yeshua would cast out the devil first and then he could deal with the human mind clear. Yeah. But if I don't have the authority to cast it out, why am I just telling you what's there? You know, people love that. Well, oh, you got a spirit of pride. Well, cast it out. I, I don't care if you see it. <laughs> if you don't have the authority to cast it out, why are you telling me? You know, come with the answer. You don't have to come with an accusation. And, of course, that takes us back to a lot of other theological debates. But we, it looks like we are almost, we are at the bottom of the hour, which normally it would be the top, but we blame Zachariah for that. Uh, we thank you. Uh, for tuning in and writing with us. And don't forget the archives. They are there. Don't forget to look at iTunes. They are there under non-religious Christian news. And don't forget, next week we have a big announcement on the Risk Investigators Report. It is a big announcement. We're going to be making some changes with our broadcast. And we're going to be bringing in a good friend of ours, Brill, that we've met. And he has an opportunity that if you understand anything about uh, mining or ledgers or Bitcoin, you don't want to miss it because he has an opportunity that just might be, just might be right up your alley. For Ron, Elder Ron, for the ever late Zachariah, we want to thank you for tuning in. This is Yakanan, and we will see you next time on time. Yah bless.